Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Tuesday the 11th of May and it is Budget Day. My name is Zara Seidler and helping me make sense of today's news is Sam Kozlowski. Making news today other than the budget, Maurice Payne in Afghanistan. The Jack DeBellin case. Some good news about the Janolan Caves. And the chat about refugees in Canada. Here's today's Daily Digest. Foreign Minister Maurice Payne has visited Afghanistan ahead of troops being withdrawn from the country later this year. Payne met with leaders to discuss Australia's support for a stable and secure Afghanistan during the time of change, as well as her hopes for an ongoing peace negotiation with the Taliban and the effects of COVID-19. Payne also reportedly spoke with President Ashraf Ghani about the alleged war crimes committed by Australian special troops in Afghanistan. NRL player Jack DeBellin has been found not guilty of one charge of sexually assaulting a 19-year-old woman. The jury was unable to reach a verdict on the remaining four charges against him. DeBellin and his friend Callan Sinclair have faced a -a two-and-a-half-week trial after being accused of sexually assaulting a 19-year-old woman. Both pleaded not guilty to five counts each of aggravated sexual assault. A COVID-19 study has found two in three people who contracted the virus have displayed ongoing health issues. Early results of the COVID recovery study have shown 30% of patients were, quote, alive and disability free, while 70% of patients are experiencing ongoing symptoms, including mild shortness of breath and weakness. The study hopes to identify unique symptoms and long-term outcomes of COVID-19. And your Budget Day good news. The popular New South Wales tourist attraction, the Janolan Caves, has been reopened after facing fires, floods, a pandemic and landslides. The access road to the Janolan Caves precinct was severely damaged after heavy rainfall and landslides in March this year. As of yesterday, a limited capacity of visitors are now able to visit the world-famous stalactites and stalagmites of the cave. For today's deep dive, we thought we'd have a look at a report written yesterday by The Guardian Australia, and they reported that the Morrison government is looking at the Canadian model of community sponsorship of refugees in order to review Australia's current support programs. That was a whole lot of words. Can you take me through what you just said? So Canada has a pretty unique model. Here it is in in 10 seconds. Basically, private groups or community organisations can volunteer to cover the financial costs and settlement support for humanitarian entrants who are coming into the country as refugees. It's an immigration program that stands alone in the world as the first of its kind, and a number of countries have followed suit, but Canada definitely have the title of the OG. Since they introduced the program in 1970, they've welcomed more than 300,000 refugees as part of the community sponsorship plan. It's, it's really interesting, the mechanics of how this works. So basically, there's two groups that can apply to take in a refugee. One is a sponsorship agreement holder. So that's typically a corporation or a community organization. And the other is called a group of five. And that's literally just five or more Canadian citizens or permanent residents. When they agree to sponsor a refugee, they agree to give the refugee emotional and financial support for the full sponsorship period. They also agree to raise the equivalent of one year of social security. So one year of Centrelink payments, essentially, which is held in a trust account and paid to the sponsored refugees to meet their settlement expenses once they reach Canada. If the group or the corporation is short of cash, but they still want to be part of the program, they can offset that amount by donating clothes, food, housing, furniture, and household goods. Of course, there are some limitations to the program. The individual has to be referred by the UNHCR as a refugee, 
and the order in which the refugees arrive is regulated by the Canadian government. Importantly, what they've found in Canada is that the program does a lot more than just speed up refugee intake into a country. It actually increases social cohesion in the country. Members of the broader community can really participate in welcoming the refugee. And that makes a major difference when you think about things like schooling or housing or even something as as simple as joining a community sports team. So how does this all tie into Australia? So the Commonwealth Coordinator General for Migrant Services, Alison Larkins, has conducted a review of Australia's current support arrangements. She's submitted detailed recommendations to Alex Hawke, who's the Minister for Citizenship and Immigration. What the review found was that humanitarian entrants, refugees to Australia, experienced a greater socioeconomic disadvantage than other migrants, particularly in the labour market. So the translation of that is that they were struggling to find jobs and they were economically disadvantaged for longer than other entrants into the country. What are some criticisms that have arisen? So although this was only flagged yesterday, there already has been a sense that such a program could actually take some pressure off the government, which at the end of the day, we charge with responsibility for the humanitarian intake that Australia agrees to on an international scale. In some ways, The criticism is accurate. This is passing the buck a little bit. But from another perspective, if there are community organisations and groups of Australians looking to take in refugees and financially support their intake themselves, it could be a good way to expand Australia's intake. So I read another criticism that was centred around the longevity of this relationship. What happens beyond the initial engagement between the refugee and the person that they are interacting with? Talk me through that criticism. The Refugee Council of Australia has flagged these issues when considering privately sponsored refugees. What they're wary of is when relationships between sponsors and refugees are initially supportive and constructive, but then deteriorate over time. Uh, This has led in Canada to situations of exploitation and a reported sense from refugees that they feel pressure to repay their sponsors. Despite the criticisms, it's a hugely popular program in Canada. In fact, in the last couple of years, especially during the COVID pandemic and after the war in Syria, the program has had to be capped to allow for the administrative side of the program to keep up with how many Canadians are throwing their hands up to support refugees. Refugee policy has remained a massive point of contention. Do you see the government of the day now actually adopting this or is this mere chatter? I really don't want to be pessimistic on this and I also don't want to preempt the government's response. We're going to have to wait until they respond to the report to accurately understand how they're feeling about it. But it doesn't seem in line with Australia's approach to refugees over the last two decades to adopt a program like this. In saying that, this is not the first time such a program has been recommended. So in some respects, the program and the idea itself is gathering speed and it's definitely something we should be looking out for in the news cycle over the next decade. That is all we have time for today. But if you are looking for budget news, and I know you all are, please follow us on Instagram at The Daily Oz. We're going to be in budget lockup all day and then post 7.30pm, we're going to hit you with lots of posts. As always, you can find us at The Daily Oz on Instagram. It's where over 100,000 young Australians get their news every day and we would love you to become part of the community. Have an excellent budget day. 